You're listening to Awakening with Rabbi Ami Silver on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Ami as he shares from the wellsprings of Jewish spiritual teaching and practice and guides us on a path of healing, transformation, and awakening to experiencing the divine. So we've been looking at some teachings about the inner experience of prayer, the ways in which tefillah is, in the tradition of our teachings, part of actually the prophetic tradition. It's a mode of devotion, of divine service that's in the practice of the prophets of the Nevi'im. We saw this, that the first time the word lihitpalel comes up in the Torah to pray, it's talking about Avraham Avinu. And it says that Avraham is a Navi, he's a prophet, and therefore he will pray for you, um, for the king Avimelech. <clears throat> and we saw this last week in the teachings from the Shulchan Aruch, that you know the major work of Jewish law, when it's codifying and giving us guidance in the kind of intention and state of mind and presence that we should be in, in a state of prayer, talks about the early practitioners who would reach close to a state of nevuah, to a state of prophecy. And we spoke about this more in depth last week, that prophecy doesn't mean, um, you know, some magical knowledge of the future um, or clairvoyance. Those may be, you know, special gifts that, that the prophets um, that we know of in, in Torah share with us, share their words and uh, visions. But but Bichlau, the the path of divine service, which is the path of Torah, is a path of um, prophetic connection to God which in its simplest sense, if we can even say something simple about it, the path of connection is one of immediacy and intimacy and direct connection between an individual person and their creator and the creator of all. And I want to expand on some of the teachings that we looked at last week and continue in the teaching of the Pesach Narebi. Um, we saw P. Sethner speaking about the core of prayer, the essence of prayer, that which makes prayer a possibility in our world, rests on the foundation that the divine lives within us. That true tefillah is joining in a connection between the divine portion that each one of us embodies in our souls, in our bodies, in our very being, and uncovering that awareness from within ourselves and communicating with it, together with it, with the great divine beyond. Um, it's a captivating image. It's an inspiring image. And what I would like to do um, in the coming weeks, and, and really all of my kavana, of my intention here in, in, in sharing these teachings and, and teaching this series on tefillah, is that these teachings won't remain kind of floating up in the ether as nice ideas, but that bit by bit we'll begin to draw um, practical lived guidance from them on how we ourselves can access and practice some of these teachings. So <clears throat> this week I want to continue with, with the P.S. Esner's teaching, um, this time from Sefer Ish Kodesh, from a different book of his, because really this kind of inward 
connection and awareness is at the core of the Pisetner's path of, of Avoda, his path of, of spiritual practice. And of all the teachers I've seen, he teaches this path in, in perhaps the most explicit, um, in the most explicit way and, and, and accessible way. I want to look this week at a teaching from Sefer Eish Kodesh from Parshat Kiteitze. Uh, for those of you who've learned the Pisetner's teaching with me before, I've taught this Torah many times this teaching four or five times that I've taught publicly. And the truth is, every time I teach it, it's it's a deeper experience of learning um, and integration for me. This teaching is not something that we repeat. It's something that we bit by bit uncover more and more. And, um, and, and I hope you'll see what I mean. The Rebbe opens... By quoting the first pasuk in the in the parsha, ki teitzeda milchama al oivecha, when you go out to war with your enemy, unetano Hashem elokecha biadecha veshavita shivyo, God places your enemy in your hands and you take a captive. That's the the opening line. And he starts by te- by quoting a teaching from the Magid Mimezrich. A teaching on the pasuk from Tehillim, Nishba Hashem veloyinachem, God swears, takes an oath, will not. Renege on that oath. Ata kohen leolam al dibrati malkitzedek. You are a kohen for all time, forever, um, says God. Now, the Magid looks at these words, ata kohen, and says the following. Kohen, priest, in the Kabbalistic paradigm, is a code of sorts, a code word for the midah of chesed, for the sphere of chesed, the divine quality of love of kindness and extension of self toward other. So the Magid says, Kohen hu b'chinat chesed. Ata, I remember the Pasuk says, Ata Kohen, you are Kohen, but the Magid is flipping it around, saying Kohen is a quality of God's chesed, and Ata is an expression of God's chesed. What does this mean? Zot shiachol ish ha-Yisraeli le'emor la-Hashem baruch ata, zehu chesed me-Hashem, ad kan kadosh The Magid says, the fact that people like us, like you and me, every simple, plain old person, can turn to the Creator and say, Baruch Atah, can turn to God and speak with such immediacy, Atah, you, I can speak to you like you're right here. I can address you in the most immediate, direct way. This itself is a chesed from God. This is an infinite gift that God can be so accessible, that we can address God in such a direct and immediate way. This is a chesed, ata kohen. The ability to say ata is an expression of divine chesed. Now the P.S. Etzner goes on, ki ata nochach hu nistar, as we've been saying, to speak to somebody in the word ata, you, it's immediate, it's present, it's right here in front of me. Like I'd be speaking to anyone else right here in front of me. But the word who, the word who is third, third person, is nistar. When I'm talking about who, I'm talking about someone, or in this case, I'm talking about God, that's somewhere else. When I'm speaking to you, to the divine, it means it's right here. It says the Rebbe, Kshetiknu lano anshe knesset hagadola lomar bibrachot utfilot lashem bilashon ata b'shemu malchut. When the anshe knesset hagadola, the teachers of the great assembly, 
formulated our prayers and our blessings and said that the way we daven is we speak to God, Baruch Ata Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam. We address God in the immediate, direct language, and we say God's holy name. B'Shemu Malchut. Betach po'alim midiburim elu. La'asot hitgalut elokit. Ad shiyeh Hashem lenochach lanu mamesh. It must be that these words bring about a divine revelation to the point where God truly is present with us, before us. And that we can truly, honestly say you. Because otherwise, every bracha we say, we would be saying God's name in vain. Be a bracha levatala, an unnecessary bracha. Now, the Rebbe's framing this, and those of you familiar with this halachic framework, the Rebbe's framing this in, in halachic terms. You're not allowed to take God's name in vain. So if we're going around speaking to God in the first person all the time, or second person, in this case, I'm addressing God as you, like you're right here with me, and I'm saying God's name every time I do it, it has to be that it's for real. It has to be accurate. Because otherwise, these would be brachot that are not being made on, on, on what they're actually speaking. Now, I, I believe that the Rebbe, while he's speaking about it in, in somewhat of a halachic framework, what he's touching on is, is a, a, a deeply, um, a core experience and, and even struggle with, with our prayer and really with all of our connection with God. How do we know this is for real? How do I know I'm not just engaging in a fantasy? Because I can speak to God all I want. But there's not some kind of apparition in front of me. There's not some kind of feedback response system, is there? You know, this is something we say at the end of our tefillot in, in the, the bracha of Ritzei. We say, We want our eyes to be able to see you return. So that when we pray to you, we know you're there. What we were speaking about in our prayers, what we miss in, in this case in the, in the temple in the Beit HaMikdash, is that there was a feedback system. We could directly interact with God and see that interaction taking place. But here we are, we pray with our eyes closed, we're saying words, we don't know where they're going. We don't know if somebody's hearing them. And, and in a deep sense, we don't know if we're all alone. And the Rebbe's saying, if we're saying Baruch Atah Hashem, he is saying with conviction that it has to be real. And he's saying because there's, there's no way that we would, that our, our teachers would have formulated prayers for us to be saying this if it's only as if, if it's only, um, you know, fake it till you make it or some kind of fantasy. <clears throat> so the Rabbi now goes on. He says, "Zeshiita b'sfarim kedoshim, shikmosha hatfilat tzvicha le'Torah, kmosha emar pasuk mesiros no mishmoa Torah gam tzvilatotu eva." He says it's taught in the holy books in the Sifrei Chasidut that just as tefila as prayer needs Torah, as it says in Mishlei. One who turns their ear from hearing Torah, turns it away from hearing Torah, their prayer is disgusting, it's repulsive. Ken gam Torah so too Torah requires tefillah. The idea that 
tefillah requires Torah, um, we can understand pretty simply. And as much that the Torah is a paradigm of what does this world that we live in look like? What is the nature of God's world? What is God? Where is God? How are we to act vis-a-vis God? How do we begin to discover connection with God? The Torah is basically the paradigm of that perspective and that worldview. And from within that perspective, that paradigm, we're able to then address that which lies beyond. The Torah tells me that there is a God and gives me guidance into how to turn towards God and how to live a life in resonance with or in searching for God. And then then my tefillah takes place within through, through that lens, so to speak. And if I'm not willing to hear Torah, this is already, he's paraphrasing the Gemara, the Gemara already says this, that if I'm not willing to hear Torah, to hear Torah so the tefillah doesn't have a good taste. If we just take this in, uh, in kind of human terms, you know, if I want you to listen to what I have to say, but I'm not interested at all in who you are or what you are or what you care about or have to say, it's not really a conversation. It's not really a dialogue. My words are going to be falling on deaf ears. I need to make space within myself for you if I'm going to expect for you to make space for me. So tefillah rests on a foundation of Torah. But then the Rebbe goes on and he says, Ken gam But you know what? There's a Torah that requires tefillah also. Which is a wild idea. That somehow for God's words to emerge, which is what Torah is, for divine communication to come through, it actually needs something from us, which is our Tfilot, our opening in prayer. That there's a way in which Torah depends on, on us too. Let's see what that, what that might mean. Says the Rebbe, as we've said before, We say this bracha, Birkata Torah, every morning. Blessed are you, God, who teaches Torah to your people, Israel. This is a generic bracha, a statement that, God, you teach Torah to all of Am Yisrael. There's a Torah, and you give it to the nation. However, says the Rebbe, forgot to also learn Torah or teach Torah together with each individual person and to speak to each and every one of us. That is up to each person to make it happen themselves. There are be saying here that there is a Torah that is taught to everyone. You might say that's, you know, it's the Torah you can open up in the scroll, you can open up in the book, and everyone reads the same words. But for there to be direct individual communication, for God to teach me the Torah individually, for God to speak to me individually, it's possible. But that is a Torah that each one of us needs to allow for or make happen on our own. 
Uvereish Vayikra, it says at the beginning of Parsha Vayikra, Vayikra al Moshe, Vaydeber Hashem Elav Mi'olamoyedeimor. God calls to Moshe and speaks to Moshe from the tent of meeting. And Rashi there quotes the Midrash. Kol lo, kol elav, Moshe shama v'cho Yisraelo shamu. Midrash is basically asking this question, what does it look like? What is this experience of God calling to Moshe from Olam Moed and speaking to Moshe? If there's a voice coming out from Olam Moed, <laughs> a divine voice from a specific place outward, well, how is it that it's calling just to one person? So Rashi quotes the Midrash, Kol lo, this was a voice spoken to him alone. Kol elav, a voice that was directed towards him. Moshe Moshe heard the calling. The rest of the people didn't hear the call. Which already here in the words here, well, maybe it wasn't words only directed to one person. Maybe it was something in the broad, all-encompassing voice of God that one person was able to hear in the direct way. But regardless of, of that fine point, it's what Rashi is getting at here is that Moshe was the only one who heard this communication and it made it a private, individual communication. Hainu, Moshe Rabbeinu, the peace listener goes on, Shema gam hakol lo Moshe's gift was that he also was able to hear the kol lo, the voice that was to him, the kol elav, the voice that was directed to him alone. Gam elav, to him in a personal, individual, intimate way the divine voice that spoke to him alone. Yisrael, the rest of the people, although God teaches Torah to everyone, learns Torah with everyone. It's not individual. It's not intimate. It's not private communication to me as who I am. My relationship to Torah, my relationship to the divine teaching and communication is God gives Torah to the Jewish people. God teaches Torah, the Torah is divine, however you want to say it. But it doesn't reach me in the recesses of my own particular being and personality and experience. La Yisrael Kulo, it's only to the collective. And every person needs to make it happen that God can speak to us individually as well. This, as we said before, the Rebbe said, there's a Torah that relies on tefillah. This is the Torah that relies on tefillah. This is the Torah that depends on each one of us, the Torah that God speaks only to us alone the intimate communication from the divine. We'll go on in, in a moment, Rabbi will speak about this in more depth, but you know, I think it's a it's a flip in perspective here that the Rabbi's sharing with us, because we think, you know, I know there's a God out there, I know there's a Torah. Okay, I have varying degrees of relationship with it, of of acceptance, of faith in it, of faith in myself, what have you. But somehow, you know, I think a lot of people think, okay, I'm on a spiritual search one day, maybe God will, will, will respond, will come out of the clouds, do something to make me know that this is for real. 
Maybe one day I'll have some kind of chance encounter. Maybe not. <laughs> They'll be saying here, no, no, no. There is a Torah that is waiting to be spoken to you alone. But that is a Torah that is up to you to make it happen, to bring about. It's not something that will just, by chance, plop out of the sky one day or strike you in some eighth ratzon. Maybe that happens too. But that's not what the Rebbe is saying. He's saying there's a path, there's an avoda, there's a way we can orient ourselves towards this, and it's actually our job. It is our job. Every person must make it happen that God will speak to us also as individuals, also as the people we are according to our own intimate experience of ourselves and our lives in this world and of the divine. Let's see what the Rebbe has to say about it. How do we make this happen? How do we do this? He's coming back to what he opened with. Through tefillah, through prayer, The kind of tefillah in which we speak to Ata, where we say you, we are addressing God and communicating in the most direct and intimate present way, and bring about a divine revelation, Elav Lenochach, that is, in return, directly present towards me. You know, there's a there's a, actually a halachic expression to what the Rebbe's discussing here, describing here, which is that we all know you're not allowed to walk in front of a person who's praying. You need to allow them for amot, this, this kind of um, minimal private space around their environs when they're when they're in tefillah. And the re- there's a few reasons brought. One of the reasons brought is because shechinah kenegdo. The divine presence is in front of that person. But let me ask you something. How did the divine presence get there? When the person was just standing there, you're allowed to walk up in front of them. But when the person is engaged in tefillah, their tefillah, they're standing in front of God. In the, they are presencing God in that moment. It's their tefillah that makes the Shekhinah come. There's actually a pasuk after Matan Torah. God says, Every place where, really the, the literal meaning, where I mention my name, I will come to you. I will be there with you and give you blessing. And Chazal learns from this. How do you know that even if a single person is there learning Torah, that the Shekhinah is with them? It's from this pasuk. Every single place a person is engaging with the divine, encountering God, wherever they are praying, the Shekhinah is with them. Who brought the Shekhinah there? What brought the Shekhinah there? Their tefillah brought the Shekhinah there. In a sense, it is their tefillah. In that moment, it is their being present to God right there that brings God to that space. And in a sense, when we open ourselves to the presence of the Divine, the Divine is with us. And when we don't open ourselves to the presence of the Divine, the Divine is not with us in a revealed way. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about something that's at the core of tefillah before perhaps even the content of tefillah starts to take on meaning. 
before the words, before the mitzvah that we're fulfilling, before the forms, in the most essential way, what we're doing when we pray, we, what we are engaging in is making space for divine reality. Being present, making ourselves aware and present to the presence of the divine. That's what allows for prayer to take place. It's everything we've been seeing until now about the Hasidim who would be mechaven libam lamakom, about the preparation and kamana before prayer, which is to allow ourselves to sink into presence and come into presence in an aware way. And as our awareness becomes present, the presence of God is, comes, comes into the presence along with us. And when I presence God through my own awareness, this is what the Rebbe is talking about, I'm going to be able to be now in a receptive dialogue as well. This is what it means to say Ata. Ata is a verbalization of that presencing. I'm making space for you. You know, if we think about when we talk to, to another human being, when I'm talking to you and you're here in front of me, your presence, my interaction with you, changes what's going on in my physiology, in my emotions. It colors my awareness. The words I speak, the feelings, the whole communication is colored by your presence as much as my own presence. There's a give and take between our bodies and our beings. And when it comes to prayer, to the degree to which I can have an awareness of the presence that I am engaging with, that I am joining with, interacting with here, so it's going to interact with me too. Just imagine for a moment what it would be like to pray from an embodied awareness of there being an other with me here, of there being a you that I'm really communicating with. How does that shift the way that I speak, that I listen, that I experience what's going on here? Let's go on in this teaching because the Rebbe is going to flesh this out a little more for us. The beginning is this orientation of Atta. And when we are davening in such a way of turning our attention and ourselves towards Atta, and as the Rebbe has been speaking, bring this divine presence here with us. Then God speaks to us as well and teaches us Torah in the most private, intimate way. Also, through that, through that doorway of Atta, of that, that, that orientation of you. This is for you. Now, what does that look like? In those experiences, you know, it's like, okay, what does it mean? God is teaching me Torah. This is not so much about conceptualization. 
what it means that God is teaching me Torah in this direct way of you, teaching to you, which in this case is to me, is that each and every one of us sees and apprehends and has a sense of our chilek in Torah, the place where we belong in Torah, in the way, what it is that God communicates to me and teaches me that no other person apprehends. And every other person likewise apprehends something private and individual that I don't apprehend. What I'm experiencing in these intimate experiences of connection with the divine, when I'm turning myself to you and in a, in a sense to mediacy with God, is I'm experiencing what is it like for me to be part of God's world? What is it the experience of being my portion of the divine reality. This is the Torah God has to teach me alone, privately. This is the Torah that I can receive when I turn to God in such a direct and immediate way. Rebbe goes on, as it's taught in the Mor Vashemesh, this is his namesake, his ancestor, Colonimus Kalman, who he's named for, was a student of Rabbi Elimelech. The Morav Hashemesh teaches about the Pasuk Sod Hashem Li'ireyav. The secret of God is to those who fear God, who are in awe of God. Says the Morav Hashemesh, Sod. Sod, the secrets of Torah, the secrets of God, it's not merely studying Kabbalah. It's written in books. Anyone can open the books and learn it. That's not a secret. Rather, it's that sense, that apprehension of the divine, that each and every person has a sense of, that no other person has that same sense, or that same apprehension. That which every single person perceives of the divine, that they can't explain to another person, they can't help another person understand, they can't really express in a way that's going to carry that experience and that perception to another person. She says, that's a secret. That's Sod Hashem Li'irei Av. The secret of God is to those who have awe of God, is according to our perception of God. Each one of us carries a knowing. If we have some sense of the divine, it's not because somebody else taught me there's a God. It's because I have a lived experience and some kind of sense inside of me of there is a God and what is that God and how I have experienced that in my life and in, in the core of my being. And I don't have words for it because it is so utterly private and individualized that it's a secret by its very nature. It's not a secret because I'm refusing to tell you about it. That's not really a secret, the Rebbe says. That's information that you're keeping from somebody else. It's a sod because it cannot be articulated. It cannot be comprehended by another person. It is my most intimate, private perception of something that I could never really explain to you. 
Rabbi Nachman of Breslov talks about this. He says it even more deeply. He says, whatever I perceive of God from day to day, I can't even explain to myself what it was yesterday. Because it's, it's something so unique, dynamic, subtle, alive, and real that you cannot describe it adequately. So the Rebbe is saying, this is the kind of private Torah teaching. <laughs> what it means to, for God to teach me the Torah that I need to hear from God privately, intimately, it has to do with getting in touch with this very private, intimate connection and sense of the divine within me. That throughout my tefillah, that's what I'm engaging with. That's what I'm paying attention to. And we're so used to our prayers being directed outward. Even the word here, ata, it's you. It's outward. It's to another. What the Rebbe is saying here is that the outward turning is part of a process that brings me more deeply inward. That when I am turning to the divine and speaking outwardly to God, what I'm doing simultaneously is opening myself up to the divine presence that both surrounds me, is beyond me, and that also fills my being, and that I am truly part of. We spoke to this, uh, spoke about this a little bit in, in the meditation on the word makom, on the chaven libola makom, to the place. The place is, is the name of God, God being the makomo shalolam. That makom is both makom, that which holds up all that is, that which gives rise to everything, or in a sense the placeholder of all reality and existence, and also ma-kum, which is what's rising right now within me. That my inner experience is taking place within that great encompassing totality of reality and of divine reality and of all being. What the Rebbe says here, even with Atta, is the more deeply that I am turned towards Atta, I'm turned towards the divine in such an intimate way, the more deeply Atta is being spoken back to me. This that God is speaking Torah to me, Bilashon Atta Binochach. That I'm saying Atta and it's reverberating back through me. He's going to speak speak this out a little more. But for this to, to, to really happen, for our words, these words of speaking to God in the present, to bring about a kind of revelation, revealed experience of presence of God, it doesn't happen just because you said the right words. It doesn't happen because you said ata, 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 ata. 
There's something internal that is required of us. The person who is speaking words of tefillah, the person needs to themselves become revealed. Those words that I'm speaking cannot just be words. They need to be keys that are unlocking parts of my being. I need to become revealed for God to be revealed to me. I need to truly be present in this communication, in this moment and experience, for there to be some kind of presence that I am joining with and and receiving from. I'm the one who creates the presence from within myself. For my very self, my being, to really be there in the words of tefillah that I'm praying. Right? We're not, prayer is not, is not saying words. Saying words is saying words. Tefillah is an internal process. Lehit palel is a verb, is an action that's taking place that I'm enacting within my being, within myself. For those words to not be words, but to be tefillah, I have to be there in them. Like the Baal Shem Tov teaches, nafshi for the nefesh to be carried by the words. Are these words carriers of my being, of my soul, of my myself? Or are they detached words? But if they are bringing me out and helping me uncover myself, then as water reflects a fa- the face who looks into it and staring right back at you, then in that same way, mirroring our own uncovering, then it can bring this desired effect, then it can bring bring about, can bring me into touch with this divine revelation to be there present before me. Like a face staring back at me through the water. You know, in, in, a, in a very real way, a lot of us struggle with tefillah because we don't know how to find ourselves in it. We don't know how to find our, our, ourselves in these words. We don't know how to find connection with these words and these forms, and it feels so rigid and formulaic and, and ancient and archaic and foreign. In a sense, the Rebbe's not solving that for us. That's, a, that's an issue that requires a lot of work to, to unlock, and Bezvan Hashem will, will continue to work in that in, in more and more detailed in particular ways. But but what the Rebbe is doing here is bringing us back to the starting point, to the constant starting point, not the starting point of all tefillah, then you just go from there. But the the ground of tefillah is this orienting ourselves towards the divine, Ata. Ata. You know, it's the most common word in our prayer, probably. You get to say it again every, especially in the Shemona Esra, you're saying it again every every couple lines, you're saying the word Ata. It's it's that basic ground of relationship between me and my creator that I that I can keep returning to and deepening into. And really, here from what the Rebbe is saying is is in a sense the core of tefillah. There is no tefillah if there's no one there to talk to. Then I'm just speaking words in an empty room. 
and how sad and painful that experience is. I think those of us who've tried to pray for years know that that's a very difficult experience to feel like here I am just saying those same words and I don't know why or to what or, or are they being received. And here they're saying the beginning point, the ground of all tefillah, the basic context in which I am praying, it rests on me being present. And in my presence, allowing space for the Divine Presence to be here with me. And it's not something that discounts my emotions, my sensations, my physical being, my very human life. It's something that includes that. That I get to be present to my own experience, my own humanness. And that is my grounds of communication with the Divine. I get to meet with the Divine, with God, in who I am, in my experience of being me, in this body, in this life, in this world, in this reality, and can mamash, deeply connect with it and, and communicate with it. You know, we're so caught up in, in the form of prayer being, I'm asking for something and I'm hoping that it will come about. For a prayer to be answered, it's like, you know, I sent the email away and I asked God for something, and maybe three weeks later, I hope I get an email back. Most of the emails probably have that auto-response. You know, I'm sorry, I'm busy with other things. I'm not, uh, not really available till after, after the holidays. The Rebbe's saying there's something much more deeper going on in prayer. What it means to be answered... What it means to have a response is that in some way I'm listening deeply enough to my own experience that I'm recognizing the divine talking back to me. And not talking back to me, if we see what's going on here, this isn't a two-way street. It's not like I say, you say, I talk, you talk. It's in my very words God speaking to me. That private Torah is carried through my words of tefillah when I am speaking from a state of real presence and connection to myself. As we've seen in earlier earlier sessions, this is something that transcends those barriers between me and you, between me and God. And I don't say this, Khalila, in some way of, you know, it's not self-talk, it's not pop psychology, it's not self-inflation, it's not a, an ego trip. It's, it's sinking and connecting deeply to the core of our very being, to that which our life is sustained by and, and, and rests on at every moment. And resting in that relationship and communicating with it authentically, honestly, personally. You know, we saw we saw weeks ago the discussion is tefillah a mitzvah, is it not a mitzvah from the Torah? 
And the Aruch HaShulchan, bringing together the two opinions, whether it is or whether it is, he said, it is a mitzvah, but it's not counted as a particular mitzvah. It's like the spinal cord that all of the limbs of the body depend on. The spinal cord is that very channel of life. It's the very channel of awareness and of life that flows through the body and, and, and communicates, carries life to all parts of the body, allows them to all interact. And tefillah is to stand in that stream of my own life. To the degree to which I can, let my awareness be filled by it and, and really engage with it deeply. And it could be through words and it could be without words. We've seen that that the, the advice and the halakha is to not speak any words at first. And then the words that we speak to let them come from that place of inner quiet and connection to divine reality. And when we find ourselves drifting from that, the Shulchan Aruch says, come back to shtika, come back to silence and return to that ground of being and that ground of connection and then speak the next word. To come back to the Rebbe's teaching here, in a very practical way, there's bringing ourselves into, into silent presence and, and facing, orienting ourselves in a way of atah, of you, and letting that penetrate into our consciousness, into our awareness, into our sensation, our sensed experience, and speaking in that, in that paradigm of connection, or from that place of awareness. And then there's also, you know, saying the word Atta and just as we pray, when we get to the word Atta, let it be for real. Let it be for real. Let it not be Levatala, says the Rebbe. Say Atta. Maybe none of the other words meant anything to you. Maybe you were focused, maybe you weren't. Atta. Rebbe Yitzchak Mibraditchev has a song, Dudele. Dudele means you. It's like an affectionate way of saying, my beloved you. And he so he opens Buribana Shalalam Ribana Shalalam Ribana Shalalam just calling out, calling out, calling out. And then he says, You, 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 up you, down you. Where can I find you? Where can't I find you? You when it's good, you when it's not good. You, you, you. And you could just sense from that song, Rabbi Yitzchak, Mamash, letting himself walk around and be filled with just the, the turning towards you in, in all these different experiences and situations. You, 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 you. This is you, that is you. This is you, this is you. You, 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 you. And, and again, this is something that really needs to be understood and perceived through experience and not, not, not described in words, but, but to really tap into this you, it is not an outward experience that, that takes me out of myself. It is a you that actually brings me closer and more fully into present connection with that you to which I'm calling to the point at which when I'm speaking to you, I'm also speaking to the you within me, within my own experience. Imagine for a moment, and more than imagine, try this out when you daven. 
if I get a pers- or a sense of presence with God, which, as the Rebbe is describing, each one of us has our own experience, language of experience for that. If I get a sense of that perception, keep talking to it. When I'm saying my words of prayer, don't direct them outward to the great beyond. Direct them inward to that experience that is emerging from within me, that is beginning to peek out from within my experience, my perception, my senses, my feelings. Rebbe goes on here and says, Afilu k'shet God forbid, even when my prayer is is coming from a de- desperate place of, of need, of pain, of crisis, of trouble. Right? You might think everything we read until now is is meant to be practiced in, in silence, in a, in a in a meditative state. And that is one way to do it. And the Rebbe says, even if I'm just calling out in, in, in pain and need, mikol makom, nonetheless, kevan shenafsho because the person is pouring out their selves in those words. They're pouring them, their, their tefillah out with nefesh, with feeling, with authenticity. They're putting their very being into those words, nafshi yatsa bedabro, because I am in my words when I'm praying from that place. I am really there in my words. Even then, I'm also surely bringing a presence to, to come back and, and be there with me. To be in the place that I'm davening. As the Rebbe said in Derech HaMelech, that before we pray, we have to connect with the to connect with the divine reality that's here, the Shechina is here with me in my exile. When I'm praying from exile, she's with me in exile. I don't need to transcend my troubles to connect with God. I don't need to become detached to my own experience to honestly and in a real sense way connect with the divine. It's here with me. I need to connect deeply with my own situation, with my own state in this moment, and communicate from that place, that is the ground of communication. The ground of prayer is is connecting deeply with my own experience in this moment and calling and opening from that place. <clears throat> this is Bichlal, you know, just to give you a, a a tiny bit, tip of the iceberg here. This is the whole path of Avodat Hashem of P.S.S. and Rebbe is really built on this foundation, what he calls in some of his other books, Histakut Pnimit, turning to look inward, to be attentive to our own inner experience at any given moment, and to relate to that inner experience as our ground of connection with God, the place where we meet God. It is happening within us. It is happening in the confines of our own unique experience, of our own most embodied fleshly experience, emotional experience, physical sensation, perceptions. But it is not 
it is not primarily a conceptual or intellectualized experience. It's something that rests on awareness rather than conceptualized thought. And if you don't know what that means, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll speak just, just for a moment. We walk around thinking about what we're doing, thinking about what we're thinking about. In this case, we think about God, and we think about when we do mitzvah or tefillah that there must be some kind of godly thing we're talking to because it's a mitzvah and it's holy and we're trying to connect with it. But if we're just trying to connect with something we're thinking about, we will never connect with it. At least not in a way that is deeply experienced by us. The difference between thought and awareness is that awareness is, is that open field of attention, of conscious attention, that we simply tend to fill with thoughts. We fill with specific ideas, images, sounds, you know, chatter, all of those things. Fill the awareness, and then the awareness becomes basically... Um, you know, encapsulated by that, dominated by those thoughts. And what we saw last week, we were saying, if we can just slow down that relentless stream of chatter, of thinking, of, of worrying, of thinking, of, of considering, of calculating, it's there. The Rebbe teaches ways to slow it down. The Shulchan Arach says, before you daven, our vote is to slow it down to let ourselves not be in silence because we turned off our mind, but to bring our awareness to presence, which by its very nature slows down that incessant stream and allows us to be aware of what is arising and happening in this moment in our environment and within our body's sensations, emotions, and awareness. And then there's a lot more space for those thoughts to come up, for us to, to choose which thoughts to deepen with and stay with and, and, and what thoughts to, to let them just come up and wash away. And when it comes to davening, we get to speak words and really listen to them and let them touch our entire experience. In a sense, the image that's coming to me is like, it's like a pool of water. That's what our, our awareness is. And the, the words of tefillah can be like, pebbles that drop in them and, and send ripples. And if we can keep our awareness open, we get to really experience those ripples within us. When we say ata from that place of presence, and we let it really then come, come inward, and we can feel its ripples within us, we can begin to listen in the way the Rebbe is Describing to the Hitkaluta Lokit that's speaking to me directly, intimately, in presence. <clears throat> Before we end, I want to just share something that, that really struck me as I was as I was preparing this, which is the Rebbe is basically describing not only our interaction with God through Tfilah, but also through Torah. In, in, in a sense, meeting in the same place. And what this, where this took me to was actually one of the very, the very first place where Torah, as we know it, 
begins to, to emerge in, in the Chumash. And that is the very first time Moshe Rabbeinu encounters God at Har Sinai. But when he first encounters God, it's not called Har Sinai. It's called Har Elohim Choreva. And it's not through a mountain that's on fire, but it's through a burning bush. And believe it or not, well, this is, you know, in the beginning of Sefer Shemot, we've had a whole book of Breshit. It's not until Moshe's interaction with the Kaddish Baruch Hu at the burning bush that we ever hear of such thing as Matan Torah. And we only hear about it as a, as a hint. Moshe says, how am I going to know that you send me? Hashem says, the sign for you will be that when you leave Egypt, you'll come back to this mountain and serve me. That's the first inkling of a hint we ever get in Torah, that there's going to be some kind of encounter event at Har Sinai. It's a wild thing. It's a wild thing. Because for us, it's such an assumed reality that, who knew, it only pops up almost incidentally when Moshe is haggling and negotiating with God at the bush. But I just want to focus in on something that that really struck me as, uh, as I was thinking about these psukim. And that's the conversation. That's how, how Moshe enters into conversation with God for the very first time. <clears throat> we see that Moshe is out there shepherding the sheep. The angel of God appears to Moshe from the fire, from within the bush. Moshe sees it, sees that the, the bush is burning and it's not being consumed. And he says, Moshe, his curiosity is piqued. He says, what is going on here? There's something going on there. I don't know what it is. And I'm going to shift my perception. Asurana. I'm going to turn away and go see what is this wondrous thing? Why isn't it burning? And then God sees that Moshe is sorry the earth. God sees Moshe turn. God sees Moshe's shifting his perception from what it was to now look more deeply into what's here before him. And God calls out from the bush, Vayomer Moshe, Moshe, Vayomer Hineni. Now just listen to what's going on. The first step, the initiation, is that Moshe notices something. And for that thing, he's willing to turn his focus, his attention. And he doesn't know what it is that he's looking at, but he's, he's turning himself to perceive it more deeply. And when God sees Moshe turning himself, God calls Moshe, Moshe. And Moshe says, Hineni, here I am. You see what's happening before God says any words? of content to Moshe is that God is bringing Moshe into presence. Moshe's first turning is the readiness to connect with what is, to attend and become aware of what is rather than what he had assumed or what he was used to perceiving until that moment. He sees something new and he's willing to open himself up to perceive it. And in that place, the first thing God does is say his name, Moshe, Moshe, you, you. And Moshe says, Hineni, here I am, I'm present. Before Moshe can hear those first words from God at Mount Sinai, Moshe has to shift his perception and enter into presence 
before God. And now look what God says. God says, don't come closer. Take your shoes off. Ki the place that you standing that you are standing on is holy ground. For those of you who've been learning with us these past weeks, these words hamakom that you are omed alav, it should carry meaning. We saw the practice of the Chassidim Rishonim lechaven libam lamakom to enter into prayer. The first step, the first stage, is to turn ourselves, to turn our awareness towards makom towards the place we are in, towards Mikomo Shel Olam, towards the place of all reality, the all-encompassing placeholder of what is. And Moshe is Omed Alav. Moshe stands on that place. As Chazal says, Ein Amidai standing, we know our prayer is a prayer of standing in place. Of standing not only in place, meaning you don't move, but to embody our full stature in the presence of the divine. And then God goes on, Vayomer Anochi Avicha, I am the God of your ancestors, Elohi Avraham, Elohi Yitzchak, Elohi Yaakov. Those words are familiar to us. Elohei Avraham, Elohei Yitzchak, Elohei Yaakov. Those are the first words we speak every time we are omeyed. Every time we are mechaven libenu lamakom, when we then stand in prayer, we say, Baruch Hashem Elokeinu Elohei Avoteinu, as God says here, Anochi Elohei Avicha, Elohei Avraham, Elohei Yitzchak, Elohei Yaakov. God is speaking those opening words of prayer to Moshe. And then gives Moshe that divine mission, go take Bnei Israel out of Egypt. <clears throat> I can't help but just share one more piece of this of this picture with you, which is after God gives the whole mission, the whole invitation, Moshe says, Pasuk Yeralef, Vayomer Moshe al-Aluhim mi'anochi ki'elechel paro v'chiyotzi b'nei shemitayim. Mi'anochi, who am I to do this? God says, because I'm going to be with you. Now, we're used to reading these words of Moshe's sense of smallness. I'm a nobody. I'm not the one for the job. And God's saying, Don't worry, I got your back, Moshe. I'm going to be with you and empower you and give you the strength. And, and that is on the pshat what's going on. But in a deeper sense, what is Moshe asking me, Anochi? Moshe just comes. Moshe, the, the outcast, the runaway, the man who left and fled a terrible situation in Egypt, who's been on the run, who's out just taking care of some sheep, has this great big thing revealed to him and this great mission. And he says, me, Anochi. You said to me, Anochi, Elohe Avicha, Elohe Avram, Elohe Yitzchav, Elohe Yaakov. Anochi? Who's Anochi? You, God, are introducing some kind of total being, identity, meaningful personality behind reality? You mean there's a story here to this world? You mean there's such thing as, as an identity that's real? From what I've seen, there's people 
persecuting each other, using their power to tear each other to bits and cause immense suffering, and I barely got away with my life intact. I just want to shepherd my father-in-law's sheep. You're telling me, no, 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 there's this big story of Anochi, the god of, of my ancestors. Me Anochi. Who is this? What is this identity you're talking about? And what does it have to do with me? And God answers, Ki imach. Oh, Moshe. You don't believe that there's such thing as meaning to your personal experience, to bichlau, individual experience. There is no anochi in this universe. Guess what? I am anochi. And the only way I can teach you the teaching of anochi is ki eheye imach. Because eheye is with you. We take it a little bit further from its pshat meaning of God just simply saying, I'm going to be with you. God in a few moments is going to say to Moshe, no, 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 this is my name, Ehiya, Asher Ehiya. You want to know the identity that stands beyond and behind all reality and within all reality and within your reality and within the reality of each one of these people that you're being sent to, to liberate? Ehiya imach. The way for you to learn that is by getting to know me through this name, Ehiyeh. Ehiyeh is going to be with you. Ehiyeh is the only name of God that we have to speak in the first person. Ehiyeh is the name of God that when I'm talking about God, I am talking about myself. I will be. What kind of name is that? That's not a name that belongs to an other. It's a description <coughs> of a process of self-becoming. I will be. I will be. Yes, in its depth, it's only a divine name, and it's only truly a divine name. And the, the way that we connect with that facet of the divine is by experiencing our own ahiyah, our own coming into being our own discovery of new realities within ourselves that we had not yet encountered. So Moshe is asking me Anochi. He's both asking who am I and he's asking who is this Anochi that you're speaking of? <coughs> um, Hashem's teaching is imach. I will be. God says, I'm going to show you who and what I am and that I am. And I'm going to show it to you by you discovering who and what you are. And this all emerges from a framing of what seems to be our invitation to prayer. Turning the perception, the attention, entering into, into makom, to place, standing, being omeid, bamakom, listening. Listening to what is being communicated to us and through our experience when we are omeid in makom. Perhaps even being open to asking that question inside, mi anochi, 
אלוקי אברהם, אלוקי יצחק ואלוקי יעקב. And in that opening ourselves to communicating with the ground of our own being and our own experience, meriting to hear what our experience is communicating to us in those deep recesses that each one of us contains. Many of these recordings are from Rabbi Ami's ongoing weekly classes given at Yeshivat Sharei Shalom in Jerusalem. For more information, go to shareishalom.org.il forward slash about. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Rav Daniel Kohn. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.